You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hello, and welcome to the From the Shadows podcast. I am the producer, Jason Lewis. I would like to thank you for tuning in to the From the Shadows podcast. And without further ado, here is your host, Shane Grove. Hey, this is uh, Shane Grove, the host of From the Shadows podcast. And uh, before we get into this week's episode uh, with author Mark Muncy, uh, and it is a great episode. I want to I want to give a quick update on Cameron Jones. Uh, not necessarily the last, yeah, last episode that we had Cameron on when he was talking about the hauntings and the uh, paranormal stuff going on in his house and how he kept a journal. Um, he happened to send me the last three passages in his journal, and I thought I'd share them with everybody. Um, So it says, July 6th, walking past the stairs, I saw a dark figure at the top, turned around, looked again, and there was nothing. July 15th, I again saw the figure at the top of the stairs. Then on July 29th, I was walking up the stairs, At the top, I heard a loud rasping. It lasted approximately 15 seconds. It was like a mixture between someone with lung cancer trying to breathe and or vomiting. It was horrible. I searched the house, particularly the upstairs. There was no explanation for the sound. Um, That in and of itself would be enough to make me leave the house the uh the mixture of someone with lung cancer trying to breathe and or vomiting i mean that would just be so unnerving um 
my hats off to Cameron for um, really paying attention to what's going on and detailing it. Um, and he, as he mentioned in his episode, if you haven't heard it, that has really helped him go back and you know kind of see how many things really have happened and some things that have just you know kind of slipped his mind um because it you know it just has become so common so for everybody out there that that is experiencing a haunting or uh, some paranormal activity i mean I, that's the one one of the things i would take from cameron's uh episodes is start detailing it uh, writing down the stuff that you're experiencing so that you have a log of it and maybe you can start seeing a correlation between certain days and times and certain events. Um, I mean, that's what research is, is kind of, you know, doing a, doing a study of, of all the facts. So, so yeah, I, I'm just, thanks for, uh, thanks Cameron for, for sending us that little update and, uh, I'm sure everybody that, has heard that episode or can go back and hear the episode will, uh, will appreciate that extra information. So, but, uh, as I said, you know, our episode that you're uh, tuning in for is the first part of our, uh, conversation with author Mark Muncie. And as good as the first part of the episode episode is next week's episode, um, is, is going to blow some minds. So I, I don't want to downplay this week's episode because it's really cool. A lot of cool stories. Um, it's very interesting and entertaining. But next week's will be even more amazing. And uh, I just don't say that lightly. So uh, so before we let you go, I just want to remind everybody, um, you know, thanks uh, for sharing, uh, subscribing, um, you know, commenting, liking all of our, uh, different social media, um, avenues that you can travel down, um, our, our downloads keep going up. We, I, we don't, uh, we don't understand, um, exactly why, you know, <laughs> we don't know what's any different. Um, but I, I, I hope it's word of mouth through all, our, all of our loyal listeners just telling their friends, sharing it on their different pages, their different, uh, you know, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Um, we just appreciate it. And it's super, super important to get our, uh, get our program out and out in the view of everybody. And the bigger, the more we grow, the, uh, um, you know, the better, um, the better I think we get. So uh, I don't want to pat ourselves on the back or anything, but I think it's, it's really important. I mean, the, the bigger we grow, we kind of, we kind of feel like, Hey, we got to keep stepping our game up because, um, there's people outside of North central Ohio listening to us. So, <laughs> so, uh, we appreciate all the, uh, all the support and, you know, we've got some really cool messages after last week with people suggesting different stories for us to check out. And we will be, we're already working on it. So keep, keep messaging us on our after the shadows, Facebook forum page through, through our Instagram page, um, wherever 
you know, wherever you can get a hold of us or get a hold of me directly, you know, there is uh, um, a lot of cool stuff out there. And like I said, we had a couple of our, and I know they're loyal listeners because they, they are always, um, you know, sending comments and, and, and different little notes and stuff. So I know they're loyal listeners, and so I appreciate uh, the fact that they are, and we're going to follow some of their suggestions and try to uh, do a couple stories that I think everybody will everybody will dig. So, and that's the cool thing is we've got a cool little community, and we just want to keep growing it. So, thanks again, and stay tuned for the first part of Mark Muncie. You won't be disappointed. Hey everybody, it's Shane Grove, the host of From the Shadows podcast. This beautiful rainy Sunday morning that we're recording this in the uh, great state of Ohio. Um, joining me this morning are the super producer, Jason. What's up, Jason? Greetings, everybody. And blessing us, and I do mean blessing us with his presence, uh, is the judge this morning. How's it going, judge? Good morning. That's it. It's well. I mean, this it's well for the. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <no. laughs> Seriously, holy moly! And the wow. the the, ju- the judge is smart enough to recognize sarcasm when he hears it. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, then everybody in Crawford County, you can feel feel that much better when you get arrested. <laughs> hey, go yeah, I trust me. <laughs> go before him. This your sarcasm will not be lost. You know. So, no, I'll pick it up. <laughs> so our guest today is uh, a very prolific author of stuff that we love to talk about. And uh, we'll just go ahead and introduce him and then I, we'll, we'll get started because he's the guy with all the with all the good stuff. We don't, as you can tell by that little interaction, me, Jason, and the judge really don't have anything good. So with us today is... Mark Muncy, author of, I'll just give a couple of them, Eerie Florida, Freaky Florida, and Creepy Florida. Mark, thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, it is a, an honor and a privilege, gentlemen. So thanks for having me. Uh, I, think, um, I think the honor is ours because anybody that can, that can put together a book series that sounds like it was a Disney uh, kids series, you know, movie series from back in the fifties or so. Like I'm waiting for Son, Son of Creepy Florida, or you know. <laughs> it's so funny. That's how we pitched it to the publisher and uh, back in the day, and they were like, "Oh, we don't really do sequels." Um, and uh, the, the, you know, when we did Erie, Florida, because I, I originally pitched it as this big, you know, it was going to be. Uh, was it uh, 500 pages and it was going to have tons of stories and all this stuff. And they're like, all right, well, we don't really do that. Scale it down to make like a top 20. And we wound up making it like 25 stories. And then and it wasn't even really a top. It was just the ones we knew that people would like to read about. And then as soon as that hit bestseller list, they suddenly came back to us and was like, hey, remember you said you had all those other stories? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, well, sometimes you got to show them what you got, you know, before. Yeah, they, they yeah, our publisher's History Press, and they they normally do like the little 
you know, uh, Battle of the Lusty, you know, uh, the history yeah. of, you know, Fort Sumter and stuff like that. And they'd never really, they'd done some spooky books and it had some success, which is why they approached us. But uh, they they had no idea, yeah, <laughs> that that it, it could explode like it did, and now now they're writing eeries all over the place, and they got writers all over trying to do them. So, yeah, because isn't like the eerie? I mean, that's something that is done in a lot of states, right? I think there might be an yeah. eerie Ohio and an eerie. There. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There is now. <laughs> so, so, so that's your fault, is what you're telling. Yeah. That's yeah, a little bit. You could take. You know what I find interesting about a publishing company that focuses their main focus was on um, nonfiction is that they're now, you know, getting these kind of stories because I think that the the general population accept now ghost stories, paranormal stories, scriptures as nonfiction. So so you're taking history and blending. Yeah, they've they've kind of they've they realized that folklore has a historical basis, and that's what they're taking it as. Now, what we you know are still taking it as is you know this is stuff we don't understand yet. So there is there is historical documentation of this stuff, and so that's what we get in. We get into some of it is where does it come from? You know where where is why is this legend this way? But then some of it is the okay. People have been seeing something weird for, you know, 50, 100, 50, 200 years. You know, it's not, it's got to be something, you know. So that's, that's, you know, so depending on which way the story takes us is how we go. Well, I mean, right. Florida is, been... isn't go ahead, Florida, Florida itself, wasn't that basically founded or settled because people were searching for the fountain of youth anyway so you talk about okay so you talk about one of the greatest folklores of all time that is probably responsible for florida being settled uh, by europeans as early as it was yeah i mean the you know the spanish came here definitely uh in search of the lost cities of gold that they, you know, they found a couple of down in uh, South America. So obviously, there's got to be more up here. And then uh, they'd also heard legends of the Fountain of Youth up here, and and all that. And uh, and then we, you know, we've got a lot of folklore stories about them finding some unusual things, and uh, and the consequences. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Tomoka State Park. It's named after Chief Tomoki, and uh, and he. Uh, the, the Spanish came in and went to him and said, "Hey, we, we're looking for this fountain that will, you know, grant us immortality and stuff." And he's like, "Well, there is a fountain." He's trying to impress the Spanish. He hasn't heard tales of them, you know, slaughtering everybody who don't help them. Uh, he's like, "I'm going to impress them because we do have a fountain, and if you go there and you drink from this special cup." it does make you impervious to harm in battle. And that's how my tribe is as strong as it is. So he shows them this. And then he kind of realizes his mistake <laughs> a little too oh, late. <laughs> and uh, so uh, the Spanish start overwhelming him. Uh, he drinks from the cup. Now his shaman uh, is upset uh, because, hey, you have to do the ceremonies. You have to do it at the right time. You have to do all this. And so... 
what happens is, is he survives his encounter with the Spanish, but then the other tribes gang up on him for showing uh, showing him this stuff. And the special cup was gold. And so now the Spanish are convinced there's a golden city, so now they're invading like crazy. And uh, so the tribes team up against him, and he turns into some sort of ghost poisonous mist, a pink cloud that devours the flesh of humans and all this stuff. And so his mist rises every couple hundred years and, and hunters have seen it and some other people have seen it. And, uh, that was one of the first native American legends that I had to go to, uh, you know, some, some Seminole, uh, and say, is this, you know, I've heard this legend. Do you guys know this legend? Yeah. Cause that sounds very much like a white man version of a, you know, of a native legend. And sure enough, no, it's a legit legend. And Chief Tomoki is one not to be messed with. And so that's how the, that's how the Seminoles passed that legend, probably orally down, right? From, yes. So, yeah, so exactly. There is Cause a, the Seminole, it's not a Seminole tribe legend, but the Seminoles, you know, they they were made of former, the, the way the Seminole tribe is founded was it was made of former other tribes because so many of the native tribes died out like the Menorcans and the Temecuans and all that, they're all gone. There's no remnants of them, but the Seminoles inherited theirs because the Seminoles were all ones that were forced here to Florida, you know, like the Creek and some of the others got forced here and they formed their own tribe. So the, so, so, that's the, chief, okay. so the chief didn't have to worry about the Spanish so much as he did everybody, everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Spanish were the least of his problems at that point. So um, it just goes to show how, you know, they didn't like the outsiders at that point. And then, you know, and then you realize, okay, so it's a cautionary tale, you know, be careful what you show the outsiders. And, uh, you know, but then you also go, okay, but then why did 1964 two hunters see this pink cloud near Tomoki Springs and uh, that ate a deer and ate a dog and, they freaked out and ran, and sure enough, there's the remains of the deer and the dog. There's nothing left but bones. And it was like they melted oh, away. Oh, wow. I mean, it's like <laughs> everything just left bones. Yep. And nobody, and they, and they didn't know that legend. So, you know, what, you know, so is it a legend that's describing a natural event or a supernatural event? Well, either way, I hope there's not a natural event that just releases a pink cloud that. That eats everything down to the bones. <laughs> Some type of acidic volcano or something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Yes, because Florida is full of acidic volcanoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're known for that. We're known for that. Uh... Hurricanes and volcanoes. That sounds like a, you know, that sounds like a good country song. Hurricanes <laughs> and volcanoes. Hmm. Well, we've got that one across the state right now, so we're just—I'm uh, just getting a nice breeze over here in Tampa Bay. So, yeah, I saw that. I saw that on the news this morning. You guys uh, maybe, do- or at least the East Coast, dodged a little bit of a bullet by keeping uh, the worst part of it is staying to the east of the uh, of the storm center or whatever. So, yeah, no, I. Um... We moved down from, uh, from, from, I'm originally from Ohio, in case you guys didn't know that, uh, because almost Ooh, everyone in Florida is originally from somewhere else. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yes. um, but uh, we moved down, um, my father was a, was a Greyhound uh, bus uh, executive, 
And when the Skyway Bridge collapse happened down here in St. Petersburg in 1980, my father came down as one of the investigators of it, because at that time it was one of the worst Greyhound bus disasters. And for those that don't know this story, um, the Skyway Bridge was the, is a bridge that goes over the mouth of Tampa Bay. It's uh, so, so long it goes through three counties. It connects Pinellas County, which is St. Petersburg. It goes over the waters, which are actually Hillsborough County, owns the middle of that because that's Tampa. And then it connects to Manatee County on the other side, uh, Sarasota, Bradenton area. And it, this bridge makes it so you don't have to drive all the way around through Tampa. So it takes a three-hour drive and makes it a 45-minute drive to get to Sarasota. And in 1980, uh, this boat called the Summit Venture is coming in to the port. It's a busy port. It's a very narrow lane. It's kind of treacherous. But, you know, it's needed. And um, it's under the control of the harbor master. And then we had one of these freak thunderstorms that we get that spring up all the time here. And um, it hits the boat and it knocks it off course just a little bit. And when it finally clears, they realize they're hitting right for one of the pylons of the bridge. Now, this is a big 10,000-ton tanker. So there's no stopping this on a dime. And it plows right into this giant high bridge that it's going to sail under. And it knocks it into the water. And cars are driving on that bridge in that foggy, rainy morning. And uh, in one of our freak thunderstorms where you can only see about four feet. And they start dropping 200 feet into the Tampa Bay waters, including a full gray. Oh, my. Oh, Uh, my. Yeah. 23 vehicles, 31 deaths, I believe. Um, And uh, a lot of survivors, but not as many as one would hope. Um, One guy survives. He actually lands on the boat in his truck. Um, Holy moly. Uh, Yeah, it's terrifying, right? Yes. Um, And uh, so my father comes down to to check out the, the bus drove off the edge and uh sure enough you know no survivors on that and um but my dad fell so in love with the sunsets here that we moved here five years later and i went over that bridge like when i so would you say that that uh was 1980 so i would have probably been eight or nine, i'd have been like eight or nine when i went to mm-hmm. florida the first time with my grandparents and we went over that bridge so I remember yeah. going over the old bridge, and it was mm-hmm. it was it was like a day that you just described because it was in December, um, and it was overcast and like you felt like you were going up into the clouds, you know, yep. driving up on the bridge. And I, oh my gosh, yes. And I and I got to be honest, I don't really remember that ship running into the bridge, but of course back then. In 1980, if it didn't get carried, and, you, and you're an Ohio guy, so you know you had like yeah. three cha- three channels. Yeah, our three channels. Channel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my three channels from Toledo didn't. Uh, <laughs> I don't think covered that. It didn't or, cover it. Or, 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 yeah, yeah. It went by real quick. Or, or you got like you got like a minute with Walter Cronkite at the end of the night, and a giant and a bus crashed in Florida, oh. falling off the bridge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, what part of Florida are you in right now, Mark? I'm in uh, St. Petersburg. I'm right in the middle of Tampa Bay. 
So uh, okay. Um, so my dad lived. My dad lived in uh, in uh, uh, Sefner, which is right there by Tampa in Clearwater for yeah. like twenty seven years. He passed away. I'm pretty familiar. Oh, yeah. I actually have my own. I actually have my own eerie Florida story that I could tell you, but I probably do one uh, during this podcast. Oh, oh I would love time. to hear that. I'm always. I, that's that's the beauty of this. Is once you know, once the first one hit, we got on coast to coast AM, and we got on all the all the rounds. Suddenly, my inbox exploded, and uh, I had started uh, 20 years earlier. Uh, running a haunted attraction in my backyard for charity. I know they're a lot more common up in Ohio mm-hmm, uh, yeah. where everybody makes their, you know, their backyard into a haunted house or their house into a haunted house. Uh, down here in Florida, the problem is, is the mouse runs everything. So there's all these zoning laws and codes and everything you have to follow that are a thousand times as worse as anywhere else. And, uh, but we, still managed to pull it off every year for charity for 20 years. And then my key was, though, our, our big hook, we called it Hellview Cemetery. And the big hook was that it was based on the lost cemeteries of Tampa Bay, uh, which uh, basically what happened is, is people moved down here, all those settlers moved down here, and they would settle into a place to find some nice land. They'd put up their houses. They'd put up a, you know, a nice little family plot as, as the settlers would die. And then suddenly one of these freaky storms would move in, or we had our weird blizzards of 94 and 95. Yes, Florida does get snow occasionally. Um, and it you know, killed all the crops, so then they'd all move away. And then 10 years later, people move back into the town and go, oh, wow, look at all this flat land. Let's just put a house here. Not realizing that they were building over cemeteries and and other things. And then in the fifties, when the big Florida land boom, Hey, I got some swamp land in Florida to sell you. You know, when that all started, everybody started coming down here like crazy. Florida's the health craze. This is the place to go. And St. Petersburg was the land to retire. And, you know, and they had the green benches where everybody could just sit and watch the world go by. And, uh, and so it, uh, again, more got paved, more got built on. And when they would find stuff, they would just be like, oh, hey, there's there may be some graves here. Ah, don't worry about it. Just plow it over. And uh, and a lot of it, sadly, was like, uh, um, you know, uh, black cemeteries or, you know, pioneer cemeteries or slave cemeteries. So they just, you know, bury it. Nobody cared. And, uh, oh, we'll move the bodies and we'll pull a poltergeist. Just move the head. I got I to gotta, I gotta be honest, Mark. You're not making moving the floor to sound very appealing right now. Oh no! It's like the whole place is built on an Indian burial ground. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. Oh wow! And now, and now I know why you have written five books and have three more in the works because, oh, yeah, because exactly. There's just there's all kinds of stuff. To, oh, oh yeah. So, so 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 you're running the haunted attraction. Then how does that translate then well, to you starting? Like, what was the first book out of? Uh, the five that you have, because am I right? You have five published right now. I actually have more, but most of them I, I ghost wrote a lot back in the eighties. Oh, okay. okay. uh, so uh, yeah, I was I was a ghost writer. Ooh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, fitting. Oh, 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 fitting. Yeah. Oh, fitting. yeah, exactly. Right? How how yeah. did I know? But uh, no, it was um, it paid the bills. So it was you know it, it paid for my daughter's. Uh, hospital bill when she was born and 
and all that. So I can't I can't complain. Uh, you know, it's I've actually got about eleven books out, but most of them are under other names. And um, and then uh, we started doing the haunted house, and because I'd worked for Halloween Horror Nights their first couple years, and I worked for uh, a couple other haunted attractions in the area, and then I became a dad, and it was like, well, I can't. I can't keep justifying the drive to Orlando, you know, and all that. So uh, they were just little side jobs. They were fun. And I'm like, but, hey, we could build one in our backyard. So I got a bunch of friends together, and we built one. We based it on local legends and lore, and that was our big key, was that we instead of having a you know, werewolf jump out at you, we had the skunk ape jump out at you. Instead of having, uh, you know, just some nameless vampire, we had the infamous Madame Orr from uh, Bordello in Tampa that, Teddy Roosevelt had burned down. You know, you got to be pretty bad if Teddy Roosevelt burns down your your bordello, right? <laughs> so, <Holy Lord. laughs> uh, so, yeah. So we based it on yeah. So we based her. Uh, we made it from dusk till dawn and made her a vampire. Because why else would Teddy Roosevelt burn it down? Yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, that's a, that's it's a, a great that's a great angle. I like that. Exactly. So, you know, so we used to call it hell viewing up the legends. We you know spice them up, make them you know tales from the crypt style. And we wrote these stories. We knew most people walking through the house wouldn't notice. They, oh, it's just some vampire girl jumping out of me. But we wanted the stories told, so we started posting them on our website. And uh, what happened was, is after a few years of that, kids would come up to us and go, oh, hey, I'm so glad you did this story based on uh, the dancing smile, which I've read on Creepypasta. And I'm like, what's Creepypasta? Creepypasta. Yeah, <laughs> and another guy's like, another guy came in. It's like, oh yeah, I read this story on Reddit and yes. uh, in the No Sleep forum. The, I want to know what the creepy smile or the dancing smile is. Yeah, that's. Um, that's I'll, I'll tell you how it do then. Okay. Uh, it's great because so basically what happens is we realize people were copy, were copy pasting our stories from the website into these other forums as their stories. Ah, and so that's ah, where like they're stealing from. We're like, okay. We got to do a book and copyright these things. So that was when we did uh, uh, 31 Tales of Hellview Cemetery with my uh, editor and partner, Elizabeth Abbott. And uh, she's been with me since the beginning on this. And so we, we put, put it together. We put a bunch of pictures from the haunt in it. And, uh, and it did well. We sold it at the haunted house for a couple of years, gave the money to charity. And, and then it kind of took off on its own. And uh, the next year we did the follow-up because people wanted the real stuff. So we did Tales of Terror from Tampa Bay, which was the next year. And we, that one we tried to put, because I thought everybody knew these legends. And so people were like, well, what's the real legend? So, so that one was a mix. It has the, a little bit of the real legend and then our version of it. And okay. that's when the publisher started seeking us out. Uh, and that was also happened to be perfect timing because that's when the city of St. Pete came to us and said, we got a new mayor in and the new mayor's like, you guys are too busy. You have to shut down. And so, oh, and so what? we had to close oh. the haunt. Wait a second. Now that, now yeah. that in itself sounds like a horror story. How, why, yeah. why did they just decide you're too busy? <laughs> you get to close down. One of our neighbors finally complained we've been doing it for 20 years and uh we'd always gotten a permit from the city 
uh, like I said, the old mayor used to bring his family to us, and you know, and the chamber of commerce used to come out and all this stuff. And uh, uh, we were theme park level, but on a budget of about twelve dollars. So, and we were free. So you know, it was just donate money to charity if you want. And uh, and anyway, yeah. So the new mayor came in, and uh, and the you know they were like, nope, nope, can't do it, can't do it. You're not zoned. And because uh, you're residential, it's like yeah, but it's just for you know a week a year. You know, we just run it for the week of Halloween. Nope. And so we had to tear it down and shut it down. And we've been uh, unallowed to do it. We've our permit has been denied every year since 2015. Wow, that's oh. a shame. And you haven't yeah. thought about you haven't thought about finding another place to go do it or that that or, that would involve money. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> increase the expenses. You can't do that. Not in, not in yeah, be able yeah, to donate exactly. any I mean, money. The whole point of doing it in the backyard was, you know, hey, I could do it out of my backyard. Uh, uh, but uh, no, at some point, yeah, it, it help you may rise. We always we've kept all the things and all the all the permits and all the instruction, you know, all the materials. But uh, we'll, you know, we'll see, we'll see. But it's a dancing smile. Let's tell you that story. Okay, so um, and, and what and what book? So, so if you tell some of these stories for our listeners, tell them what you know. Let's tell them what book yeah. that these may be in, so they can go because the whole because the whole point of this is to introduce our listeners to you, your books and yeah. your stories, because our our fan base is some of the most intelligent there is. I'm awesome. just going to put it out there. Absolutely. Very nice. And that's just because just me, Jason, and the judge listen back to the episodes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Very highbrow stuff. They're damn handsome, too, man. That's crazy. That's why why we can't can't even do this on Skype video because it would just cause (laughs) such a struggle. Oh, it would just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, You'd you'd (laughs) crash the servers. Yeah, you think they came down on you in your backyard? Imagine if we put them <laughs> <laughs> We'd be banned from everywhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this one is from the town. Uh, it's a Florida. Let's get one thing straight. Florida loves to name things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Florida has this great talent for naming things. So there's this town. It's on the Gulf, and it's a port. So Florida creatively calls it. Gulfport, right? Oh, right. <laughs> amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's 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 how Florida names a lot of their stuff. We have this. Uh, we have a monster up in Barton who's a is like a Sasquatch, but he carries a cane or a walking stick and a lantern, and and he's not the beast of Barton. He's not uh, you know the Barton monster. No, he's the Barton booger. Yeah, Florida loves the name thing. How, how much of a beast could you? How much of a beast could you really be if you're walking with a cane? I mean, that's, that's true. There's <laughs> there's people I, off of horses. But you I want I want to uh, point out though how uncreative we are here in Ohio. You being an Ohio native, that yeah. you have Sandusky, where Cedar Point is, but below it is Upper Sandusky. You know, yeah. south of Sandusky yeah. is Upper Sandusky, <laughs> <laughs> which makes no yeah. sense. Oh yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. Might... Florida has uh, so many. It's just like that. It's it's crazy. But anyway, so Gulfport uh, is is uh, 
near here, near uh, Tampa Bay area. Um, and uh, it had what they called uh, the, the electric pier. It went out into a little bit of this landlocked bay uh, just outside of the Gulf. And it was, uh, it was a pier, and it had electricity, so it was called the electric pier. Uh, <laughs> another, um, another genius name. Oh my just God. ingenious, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just marketing 101, man. So you, tell so what it you, is. So if you told me you need to go to Gulfport and find the electric pier, I probably could do it without a man. Yeah, you probably could back then, especially back then. Um, and then, uh, so the, uh, now they had out on this pier, they had what they called a casino. Now, when we think of casino, we think Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. No, this is where the naming gets a little more. This is more the traditional Italian casino gathering place. It had a shop on the bottom floor, and then up top, it had um, a, a dance a dance studio, and you could hang out there. And they held held weddings up on that studio. They did a lot of crazy things out on it. It was it was just a nice place to have events and things like that. And you could just sit there and wait for the ferry that would come and take you out to Egmont Key and some of the other islands out there in the, in the bay and uh, in the Gulf. So you would uh, see, we'd go out there and do that. Now, what happened was, is a hurricane comes through and wipes it out, wipes out the electric pier, wipes out the casino, wipes out everything, 1917. So they move the casino and rebuild it but this time they build it on the shore so it's not going to get destroyed this time and it's still there uh the gulfport casino but they build another pier next to it that goes out into the water so you can go fishing and you can uh watch the sunsets because hey it's water is what florida does but what happens is is that while you're there in the morning if you look out, just as the sun comes up, you look out over the water, you see a guy dancing like a ballroom dancer in like a suit, 10 feet up in the air above the water, or 20 feet sometimes. So like where he would have been on that second floor of that dancing studio and just dancing with an invisible partner. And he's always got a big smile on his face. Or some versions of the legends, you never see his face because he's always got his back to you. And he just fades away into the morning sun. So creepy story, right? <laughs> and witnesses yeah. for witnesses for now nearly a hundred years have seen this guy, and uh, all ages, shapes, sizes of people have seen this thing. So I wrote the story uh, in uh, Thirty One Tales of Hellview because we had him in our haunt as a smiling joker looking guy who would uh, dance and just dance. He danced under the street light and then he would come at you, you know, when you got too close. And so I wrote this story about him, you know, some guy walking along the street late at night and seeing this guy just dancing and then it attacking him. And that became dancing smile. And that apparently creepy pasta took that and ran with it. And now there's videos of this guy that have like 2 million views of the story of the people reenact. <laughs> Holy smokes. Holy smokes. And so, I'm like, oh man. So like how many of these, so have you ever gone, so do you do investigation? Cause I, you know, I've, you know, we've, uh, 
talk back and forth a little bit. So how many of these stories do you go out and actually investigate yourself to try to lend some credibility to the stories? Or do you just uh, rely on like the eyewitness testimony and stuff like that? Well, we um, we are. Oh, how do we refer to ourselves? There was a one person called us a paranormal journalist, which I really liked. Uh, because we don't run our own investigations, but we go with investigators on investigations. So, like, we go on ghost hunts. We go on UFO expeditions. We go on Bigfoot hunts or skunk ape hunts down here, as they're called, because they stink. Again, Florida names things. It's a big, hairy thing, and it stinks. Let's call it the skunk ape. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course. Um, of course. Yeah, exactly, right? We love the name. Uh, but, uh, but then we also go to every location in our books. We've traveled, uh, over 20,000 miles and have, you know, haven't left the state in a while. Uh, so, uh, each book's been about five or 6,000 miles of travel. And then we do lots of investigations and, but we also interview witnesses, talk to, you know, experts on it. Uh, go to historical archives, go to the museums, go to the newspapers, you know, to find the original stories and try to get what really happened and the historical context of it. And then that's when we put our, our books together is what's, what's left from that. And now we're working on a TV program with a local network down here called WeBeam TV. It's actually an internet network. Um, but they're putting together a show called Erie Travels based on our books. And uh, we're hosting that. And with that, we've started revisiting these places we've done, you know, years ago for Erie, Florida and Freaky, Florida. And we're getting refreshes of them. So we're learning new things that have happened since or things that have been uncovered since we did the books. And that's been a delight to work on. But, of course, now with everything shut down, it was supposed to premiere uh, in August. And because everything's been shut down, it's uh, we're actually not starting filming again until August. <laughs> and it'll be out sometime next year, so or maybe later this year for luck. So let so let me ask you this. So and we'll and I'll we'll break these down into some categories here. So yeah, what is your favorite? Mm, let's say let's just go with the skunk ape. What's your favorite Bigfoot skunk ape cryptid story that you've? heard and written about and then what is your favorite like what investigation then maybe totally separate did you go on for skunk ape or cryptid that you yourself became i mean i don't know if you're a believer or not i mean oh, that yeah. maybe that maybe you found something saw something heard something that that made you a believer okay we were in um Mayaka state park now, um, it's a where's, little where's south. south. That's a little south of Tampa Bay, a uh, little south of Sarasota, and um, it is one of the big uh, dark spots on the map, we like to call it. Um, if, if you, The best way we like to describe things is if you look at Florida from space, uh, you know, and those wonderful images from the space station and stuff like that, at night, you see all these lights on the beach. Florida is lit up. All the beaches are lit up. And then it goes a little further inland, and you see these really bright sections, and those are the cities that support the beaches. So that's like Jacksonville, you know, uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. 
the St. Pete, Tampa, you know, that you see the beach cities. And then you go a little further inland and it starts getting a little darker and there's less and less lights. And that's all, you know, the suburbs and the sprawl, right, uh, that support all the big cities. And then you go a little further inland and then there are big hunks of darkness where there's nothing. And then in the center of the state, you see Disney and all the tourist stuff, right? But those big hunks of darkness, the Everglades, with you know, maybe a few sprinkles of lights here and there from some settlements and some of the uh, you know, reservations, then the Ocala National Forest is completely dark. Uh, again, with a few farms and stuff out there, and it's huge. And then uh, one of the largest national forests in the country. Most people don't even know it's right here in the heart of Florida. Um, really? Then really? The that gr- is, yeah. that, that's what's fascinating is I think people that go to Florida don't understand how desolate some places are in oh, Florida. Yeah. It, yeah, 10 miles only... out of any city. Yeah, 10 miles out of any of those supporting cities. You are in the middle of nowhere. Uh, that's why they film Jeepers Creepers here. There's a reason. <laughs> There's a great trilogy of movies. A great trilogy. There's the Green Swamp, which is the home of our aquifer, which you know is the water supply for ninety percent of Florida. Uh, again, just nothing but swampland and forest. And then you know, we've got a couple other forests here and there. Now, Mayaka State Forest goes along the Mayaka River, and it is pretty big and um again another dark spot uh, on the map and there's a trail that goes through a lot of it and there's some other trails that go off of it and we were there for an event uh stacy brown from finding bigfoot was hosting uh just a nice little he had a bunch of people around to to host uh kind of a fun little paranormal con uh out in this uh wooded area and there was a there's a old historical city next to it so they were doing ghost hunts in that he was leading people out on bigfoot hunts and um and it was it was just a nice camp out weekend right everybody could just go you know out there and spend the weekend camping um and we were out there and we were talking some florida legends and i was telling ghost stories by the fire my favorite thing to do and uh the next day, everybody packed up and left. And I had an extra day, and I was like, "Stacy, show me some of your stuff. We're we're just you know we're here. We both got a day off. Let's let's go walk around." And so he leads us out deeper into the forest and off the trails, and we go way out to the Mayaka River, and. As we're just walking along, we find in the mud footprints. And it's legit footprints. It's the it's the big footprints. And then there's like little ones. So it was like a family had been out here. Now there was no reason for those to, you know if Stacy had thought about setting those up or something to fool me, why would they have been there? You know, and, well, he didn't know I was going to ask him to take me for a walk the next day. And, and you're so far, and you're nope. so far out that there's, 
even if somebody else is out there, why are they walking barefoot? Why are they walking barefoot in the middle of nowhere? And then I tried to set my foot. Now, I'm a big guy. I'm 280 pounds. And I'm trying to set my foot into the sand, you know, into the mud where these other prints are. And my foot doesn't even go down half as deep as these guys did. And, and he's like, man, I don't have any of my casting stuff. I don't have anything. Yeah, we're in the middle of nowhere. So we took some pictures. Because, uh, yeah, we had our phones, you know, but that's the best we got, right? So um, we go back, and he's going to go get his casting stuff, right? Uh, so he's going to drive, and he's going to come back the next day to cast. The very next day, Florida has a controlled burn in that area to prevent forest fires. Oh, Why? no. It was not listed. It was not controlled. You know, it was not posted or anything ahead of time so then the conspiracy theorist in me goes okay so who are they protecting you know um, are they protecting that, you or the or the creature are they protecting them exactly yeah yeah that ocala national forest is where we have tons of sightings there's a great group called uh, the bigfoot guys out of uh, ocala uh they're right in the middle of that and they have sightings reported to them nearly every week it's that's how often stuff goes on out there and um now they host a tour out there so they'll take you out in the woods and show you the spots they took us to where the original boy scout encounter happened many 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 years ago in the 50s where three boy scout uh, several boy scouts uh, three that we were able to talk to later that had grown up um uh, and we're still willing to talk about it uh, they were out there, and their camp got attacked by what they thought were Bigfoot or Sasquatch. Now, wait and a second. There's a boy the, scout. How, how, come, how come this that story's not more well-known? I've never heard. Exactly. This one even has police involvement. Well, and, okay. you know, and so gonna, the police go out. Now you're going to have to tell the story. That's, that's, yep. <laughs> so, and that's exactly what happened is these kids are out camping in the Ocala National Forest as part of their Boy Scout training. Uh, something attacks their camp. They think it's a bear at first, but then the bear picks up a stick and starts swinging it and, uh, and, and throwing stuff. So they panic and run, right? Mm -hmm. And they finally get to the ranger station and running in the woods. My gosh, man, that's, that's dumb enough. And especially in Florida woods, there's enough here that wants to kill you anyway. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah. um, they get out there, and uh, they get to the ranger station. Ranger station calls the cops. Cops come out there. Cops immediately think, okay, yeah, it's a bear attack. But then they find strange signs to show it wasn't a bear. Like, so things are open. Things are gone through. Um, and uh, so, they, so they actually investigate it. It's never determined what actually attacked them. And uh, we finally got to talk to the kids who had all grown up now. They're, you know, um, and uh, they were, you know, the surviving witnesses, uh, and they were telling us, you know, it was the scariest night of their life. They won't, they, they, they won't go back into the woods. Most of them, you know, uh, it, it was not a bear. You know, it was on two feet, and it was, you know, bears can get on two feet. Bears can do all this. Bears can, you know, open things. But, you know, bears that's, 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 that's we, you got to take it with healthy skepticism, but. <laughs> But I've seen enough well, to know well, let me there's ask you this, stuff out there. 
let me ask this real quick, and maybe you know this answer, maybe you don't. For Ohio listeners who are familiar with the description of what Bigfoot, you know, size, hair color, stuff like that, is there a difference between the Florida skunk ape and, say, the Ohio grass man or the Tennessee wild man from a descriptive yeah, yeah, standpoint? It, it, it's funny you bring it up because, like, our, our new our next project is actually out of Florida. We're working on uh, the book that's coming out next year is called uh, Erie Appalachia. It was supposed to be out this year. Because we started an investigation down here in Florida, uh, and it led us to a tie to the Mothman legend in West Virginia, which tied to something else, which tied to something else, and all these things. And it all tied us back up to Ohio and my stomping grounds in Ohio, Kentucky, and West Virginia. So I'm like, all right, I got to get back up there. So that's our next project. But, so yes, I've been researching Grassman a little bit, uh, been uh, talking with uh, some of the experts up there. And um, so, yeah, there is a difference. The, uh, the uh, Florida has what we think are like three different style um, of uh, Sasquatch down here. The uh, ones down in the Everglades uh, tend to be a little shyer. They tend to be more orange uh, in coloring. And... Um, and lankier and taller and thinner and more almost orangutan looking. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the Mayaka level area and they're more um, black, gray, and um, almost silverback, almost more gorilla-like. Uh, and then you get up into Ocala and the Ocala National Forest and those tend to be classic. Uh, more, um, you know, just the large uh, brown, um, you know, what what you expect of a skunk ape or, or Bigfoot, and um, but they seem to be a bit more aggressive because there's, there's more attacks out there and more things that you know they may be more territorial uh, because they don't really seem to attack outright, but they do seem to defend themselves quite a bit. But then you mm-hmm. get further north up into the Panhandle. And that's where it kind of blends, where you kind of get a little mix of everything, but you also start getting, uh, yeah, more recently the um, and even older, uh, you get more of the, uh, you know, even dogmen sightings up in that area, um, and uh, that's those are the ones that seem to be a bit scarier, where everybody's like these things actually eat, you know, uh, a little more than berries, and <laughs> and. Uh, yeah. Some hunters have been scared up there. So. Well, let me let me ask you this, Mark. In all your, so you've done a lot, obviously a lot of research and a lot of talk to a lot of people, and what you're describing, the differences in the ones that are the furthest south and then sort of the middle, that almost look like you said orangutan and gorilla type silverback characteristics. I mean, Florida is was like the staging area for a lot of the circuses, a lot of animal yep. sideshow acts. Um, I mean, that was the, the best thing about old Florida was going down the middle of the state and having all those little, you know, kitschy kind of, you oh, know, yeah. Gets to, yeah, so, down, down US one or down route 64. Heck yeah. yeah. You know, so, uh, so have uh, you ever run across like where maybe there was an animal escape and some of those, <laughs> Uh, animals maybe escaped into the and were not all recovered to where if there was a regular 
what we would call regular Bigfoot. I mean, is that silly to say? Yeah. But a regular Bigfoot may have intermingled with a gorilla or a orangutan. And that is that is a common theory, uh, and, and, it, and it has some credence because, as I said, Florida wants to kill you. Um, there's a great <laughs> um, when you go visit the Ocala National Forest, uh, you have to watch out for uh, you know coral snakes. That's you know big 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 bad. Uh, black bears. We have a very large black bear population. We have a very large you know just bear population in general out there. Um, there's actually a, a naval bombing range that is active in the middle of the Ocala National Forest. They have to close parts of it where they're actually drop yes. bombs and you haven't <laughs> you know, in the middle of it. You haven't even mentioned alligators or the creature from the Black Lagoon yet. I'm I mean, working my way down geez, on the ones that will kill you the most, right? Yeah, but the creature from the Black Lagoon was filmed in Silver Springs. Springs, which is yeah. just a short distance yeah. from Ocala. And, exactly. Uh, clear, very clear waters. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, we go there quite often. Um, uh, Riku Browning, who was the original creature, he still lives in the area, so we we see him no occasionally. No way! Does he really? Yeah, he was the Olympic diver. He was one of the Wiki Wachi mermaids. Oh, uh, which is, uh, that's a great place too. Oh my god! Yeah, that's how he learned to. He could breathe through the hose, and you know, and that's what they would do. It's they they would do it a mermaid show. For those who don't know Wiki Wachi, uh, it was a tacky tourist thing on the Gulf Coast, a little north of Tampa, and. Um, you would go there, and it was a deep, deep springs. They still don't really know how deep these springs go. Uh, and they built an underwater theater, and you could go there, and these girls would swim around, and they still do. And uh, they swim around underwater, and they have these breathing hoses, little oxygen hoses, and they just go behind the rocks, suck up some oxygen, and then come out and smile, and they would tell stories. They would reenact fairy tales and stuff like that. And um, one of the trainers was Riku Browning, who... Uh, through the attention of the Hollywood producers who said, hey, let's put you in this green suit. And he's actually the guy who swims and does all the underwater stuff for all the creature movies. And uh, he's the one who did all that work underwater. There was a different guy who did it above ground, but he was the guy who did all the underwater shots. Nice. Uh, the of Bakugun, and that's how he Shit. did it. Was, yes. That's why there's no tank on his back. He, he did that. He was an Olympic swimmer. Super nice guy. Uh, and... Uh, and if you get a chance to see them, you know, definitely go to some convention when when conventions are a thing again, uh, and say hi. I can't um, wait. But uh, where was I? Oh yeah, well, uh, back to what we were we were talking about Bigfoot <laughs> yeah, cross, sorry. cross breeding of species is what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's rabbit trail there. Yeah. yeah, so so yeah. Anyway, so you go down the list of things trying to kill you: alligators, as we said, you know, snakes. Uh, the Florida panther uh, is making a comeback. Uh, and you know, all these other things. Then there is one particular thing. Now, again, Florida love, you know, we were trying to be the Hollywood of the South and Tarzan was filmed in silver Springs, but you were just, we were just discussing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. who did Tarzan have with him? A lot of animals, but he also had cheetah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cheetah was the chimp. He had, uh, they were rhesus monkeys. And they had several of them uh, so that they could have different stunt ones and everything like that. And at the end, when they stopped filming the show, they left them on an island in the middle of the river. Yep. And just left them there and said, okay, 
you know, they'll be on this island. No one will ever bother them. They'll be fine. <laughs> well, not knowing they could, Florida, not knowing they could swim, right? That, well, it, that wasn't the problem. The problem was is that Florida dry has dry spells, and the river dropped to nothing, and the monkeys escaped, and they were mating uh-huh. pairs. So they have expanded and expanded and expanded and are now no longer afraid of people and will actually attack people. If you, you know, you can Google up videos of people being attacked by these monkeys. And the other problem is, is these monkeys have a herpes that is deadly to humans. So, oh my. <laughs> so yes, so you want to avoid Bigfoot, you want to avoid coral, but you got to be wary, wary of herpes infected monkeys that want to kill you. So in other words, but you know, Florida is our version of Australia. Yeah. Australia. But you know, the scariest thing—the the scariest thing to me, though, down there is the palmetto bugs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aka giant cockroaches. Yeah, yeah. Between our palmetto bugs and our mosquitoes, that is Florida's deadliest creature: is the mosquito. So I got to be oh honest. My our, God. I gotta be honest, Our mosquitoes are used to eating guys filled with mess and bath salts. So, uh, oh you know, they, when the murder <laughs> hornets arrive, that's why you don't hear about the murder hornets. Our mosquitoes got them. Well, from, from my time in Florida with my grandparents, the scariest thing was being on the road with all those old people. No offense to old oh, people. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, that was, oh, man. Because my grandparents lived in Ruskin. They had it in a place in Ruskin. Oh, Yeah. And, and it was always fascinating to me that uh, just down the road was, I can't remember the name of the town, um, but when you said um, they tried, Florida was trying to be the, the, the Hollywood, there was a place yeah. with, a, was it, go, what the heck was the name of that town? But they had like an old, it's like an old movie studio there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just down the road. And then down the road was the place where they, you know, all the circus people uh, would come for the, uh, Sun City was it Sun City Center maybe Sun City Sun City Center and then Gibsonton was the yeah the, the right. town with all the circus folk yeah and so Sun City Center we'd go through there because we you know you'd go down to Sarasota and and you'd be like mm-hmm. that's that used to be a movie studio and you're like yep. this this place used to be a movie movie studio <laughs> it's pretty so it was, crazy it was always fast I mean old Florida it, and it wasn't really that old. But old Florida just was so great and kitschy and 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 just cool, you know. But it was all tourist. It was to draw people, draw people down for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's, I mean that's a hundred percent. It was because Ringling moved down here. He fell in love with Sarasota Bay, and built his winter home down here. Um, and that was all goes back to Henry Plant uh, and his uh, train line coming down. He was trying to get the train first to get the trains to Miami. And um, so he you know, was drawing all his rich friends down to Florida. Look how beautiful Florida is. Why are you living up here in the snow? You know, come down here. And it was basically because he was just trying to sell land and get his trains going. <laughs> and, uh, but then Ringling moved down here. And then so suddenly every circus performer in the world migrated to Florida because, hey, I might get picked up by Ringling and make millions like Tom Thumb. I'm a tiny guy. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm a big guy or whatever, you know, and uh, – yeah, I have an unusual talent. And, of course, all these other circuses would show up and say, well, well, we're, we're going to get their cast-offs. We may not have the smallest guy in the world, but we'll have one that's damn close. 
and uh, and no one will care. You know, we, we'll get Lobster Boy. We'll get uh, you know oh, somebody who looks boy. like a chicken. Yep, and then sure enough, that all that all lived there in Gibsonton for a long time. Uh, only recently did the you know did the last ones move away and all that, but it's still that town's got that you know that story. And we've got you know, and that, that's what happened with a lot of these folk tales and things that people spotted. You know, early on, people didn't report them because they were like, "Oh, it's just some circus performer." You know, oh, and uh, so so we didn't we you know, we won't we won't report that. And then we had one that we thought the one that kind of made us and made you know uh, the. Uh, Coast to Coast AM fell in love with uh, was uh, we had in Erie, Florida, we had a story uh, near Bach Tower. Now, for those who don't know Bach Tower, Bach Tower is on a place called Iron Mountain in Florida. Uh, Iron Mountain is uh, supposedly may has mysterious properties like it was made because a meteor crashed into Florida. There's all these other legends about it, history about it. It's, it's just a rise in the middle of Florida. Uh, and again, it's the, one of the highest points in Florida at a whopping 223 feet above sea level. Oh, for crying out I loud. Think, that's barely yeah. a, I mean, that's not even, Amish country would just laugh at you. If you yeah. Space Mountain is bigger than this. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, but this guy, he built a giant, Carillon Tower and made these beautiful gardens around it and for miles around he decided he wanted to preserve it because all these orange groves were being planted all around the area and he wanted to make a nice little quiet place in the middle and and he did and it's it's a it's a tourist attraction and the whole town has this weird vibe though because like I said it's it's got some unusual properties Uh, when you do go there you sometimes lose a GPS signal you do go there you can lose uh you know you can get yeah, a lot of weird things happen. There's a gravity hill there. Um, uh, I, are you guys familiar with gravity hills where it's an yeah. optical illusion, makes it look like something weird? They, they, they call it Spook Hill. Uh, it's about two miles from it. And it has a legend of an Indian chief fighting an alligator, and that's why you're being drawn into the you know, uphill backwards. You basically you park at the base of a, of a hill, mm-hmm. you kick your car in neutral, and you roll backwards uphill. Yes. And uh, and so, you know, it's there's an elementary school right next to it that they call Spook Hill Elementary. That's how much this town embraces it. And Casper the Friendly Ghost is their uh, school mascot, which I love. Uh, the, 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 the thing that gets me is when you watch a kid chasing a ball uphill, you know, <laughs> that'll get you. <laughs> Isn't that like um, a far side? Shouldn't that be like a far side cartoon? Like, exactly, right? Um, but this lady sent us an email during the Hellview days when I used to, I just had a little email, uh, on our website that said, send me your stories. We want more stories. And, uh, this will tell you a little bit about the dating of this. It was a GeoCities website initially. And, um, for those internet archivists and, uh, and it was an AOL address. I think we were using at the time. Oh boy. Um, yeah. So, um, but um, when we, after Hellview had died and we were starting to work on Erie, I found her email and I was like, all right, I've got, I remember this crazy email. We got to go dig for it. And I found the hard drive that had it and pulled it up. And my wife and I were like, this is insane. We'll never be able to get confirmation of this. So we reached out to the lady and sadly she had passed on because it had been 15 years since I got the original email. Uh, so I'm like, well, I guess we're never going to investigate this story. 
But then I reached out on this wonderful thing called Facebook and uh, went to, you know, the group, uh, you knew you grew up in Lake Wales when, and I, I reached out and said, hey, has anybody ever heard of this weird story? And sure enough, I got a civilian employee of the local police department who was able to verify that they remembered when this happened. So I was like, oh, I can, I can publish this. So here's the story. 1940s, this lady at the time, she was you know, not a little old lady at this point, she was a little girl, and she lived out on one of those orange groves in the shadow of Bach Tower so she could see it from her farm. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time that we have for this week's episode. But tune in next week where Mark Muncy will continue on this story. Not to give anything away, but it's going to get really exciting. So don't miss it. Tune in next week to find out the conclusion of this current story and to see what other amazing discoveries that Mark has to share with you, our listening audience. See you next week, folks. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs>
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.